Let me read you this from uh, the Bright Winds of the Spirit book. It's a quote that I've kept for a while. Um, and it kind of tells you, you know, where we're at as a culture and as a country and as a people. And you have to do your best to, to not fall into this rut, even though I think most of us are teetering. I mean, it's just the, the way of life is different these days than it used to be. So what it means is you've got to take some extra steps of faith to keep yourself above it in many ways. And so let me just read the quote here. It says, as the economic level of many Pentecostals rose. Now, Pentecostals, uh, that's what they used to call spirit-filled people. Simple as that. It's not necessarily the Pentecostal denomination uh, that's very uh, limited or specific. It's the people that speak in tongues were called Pentecostals. Uh, just so you'll know. So as the economic level of many Pentecostals arose, television invaded many Pentecostal homes in the 50s and a decline in the attendance at the Sunday night evangelistic services disturbed many pastors. So the way of the old culture was you had Sunday morning church, you had Sunday night more evangelistic open to everybody in the town type church, everybody could come. Uh, and then you had a midweek service. So you had at least three, plus you had prayer meeting and some other stuff. But they, they relied on their Sunday night service. They called it their evangelistic time, more so than a Sunday morning discipleship time. But they noticed that the television caused people to stop coming as often. That's one reason why Pentecostals used to tell their people not to have a television. Couldn't go to the movie and couldn't have television because they recognized that there was some danger there right? Now there's some benefit, but there's also some danger. There's some pros, but there's also some cons to having a television or media. Well, if you just crank it up about a thousand percent, then we have what we're at today. Not just one input, not just the movie theater down the street or the television in the den, you know, one per home. Now it's screen everywhere, all day, everywhere for everybody's. And, and, it, and it competes for any God attention. So as uh, this arose in the 50s, a decline in the attendance at the Sunday night evangelistic services disturbed many pastors. With the quickening pace of life, revival services formerly held nightly for two and three week periods were now streamlined to a week or just a weekend. As believers approached affluence, apathy began to lull some Pentecostal churches to sleep. And where the trumpet sound of the second coming was muted, evangelistic fervor waned. So they used to have three, two and three, and, and then it would sometimes extend to five and six weeks uh, every night, or at least six nights a week plus Sunday morning, church services. And they, they all came, and they all loved it, and they just gave themselves to it, and they got touched, and they got blessed, and they, they, they grew quickly because of that. And we don't do that. Like it'd take most people uh, two years to have that many meetings. And so where are we at and how are we going to overcome some of these things? Well, I'll tell you one thing. When we have events with special guest preachers, you could at least come to the extra meeting. Can you imagine how surprised pastors are when a special meeting comes two times a year and, and half the people don't come? Can you imagine So I, I don't know how to do it. I mean, I've, I've tried everything. I've begged. I've, I've pleaded. I've coerced. I've harped on it. 
I've been angry about it. I've taught on it. I've encouraged. I've paid people. No, I haven't paid people. (laughs) And I realized it's better for me not to do those things so that they don't have to disobey me. He thinks I'm supposed to obey him. Look, when the, when the pastor schedules an important meeting or an extra meeting, you ought to consider maybe coming. Especially when we have a special guest start on a Saturday night, and then they, they're here for Sunday morning and Saturday night, but most people didn't come Saturday night, so Sunday morning they're like, you got to start all over. And there's a, reason, there's a reason for the congregation why it's important. You, you need some momentum. You need some unity, being in one accord. Last week we talked about church growth, how that's a thing. God added multitudes to the church. That's an important thing to God, that that the church grows, that the the Lord gets to add daily to the church, that, that we're meeting more and more and more and more. I mean, they met daily in the temple and from house to house. Most Christians aren't meeting anywhere, even in the temple or house to house. They barely meet on a text. Hi, how you doing? I'm watching church. Me too. Have a great day. What? What are we going to do about it? Well, do something. At least come to the special stuff. At least give your heart to the people. At least go to lunch like the pastor keeps telling you with somebody, not by yourself, somebody else. Somehow we've got to do church stuff better. Somehow we've got to put some effort into Reviving ourselves and staying afresh and keeping it more real than television. Right. I mean, now, telev- now you can't even speak of television as something to be wary of because everybody's got television in their pocket. It's like a whole different world. I mean, how many people do you know have fasted their smartphones? Fasted. I mean, I'm sorry, I, gotta, I want to go ahead and fast social media. Why? Because it's a problem. At least, at least don't let it interfere with anything to do with church or God or Christians. That's the least you could do. Sure, you can have them. Just don't let it interfere with anything we do here. And then you got to watch to make sure it doesn't interfere with your delight. How many would you rather watch two hours of funny things or two hours of church? You cannot let that compete. There's no comparison. Have your fun time, have your leisure time, but don't dare let it interfere with your personal spiritual time or your church time Amen. or your fellowship with other Christians time. Amen. They're having a what kind of fellowship? I don't know if I want to. Yeah, yeah, all the saints are coming together to love one another and sharpen each other and be there for one another. Well, I don't know if I need that. How long is it going to last? That's the wrong question. The right question is, does Pastor Chaz expect me there? <laughs> hey, look, you know, you got to follow somebody. So if, if you got Christian leaders in the church that are there, you ought to be there. Good work. I'm going to keep preaching like this to you. Everybody gets all excited. <laughs> it's better if I harp on it now before we have a special meeting coming. <laughs> Go to Matthew 28, and we'll talk about, I want to talk about spirit-filled discipleship, which I've already started, so just in case you were wondering. Spirit-filled discipleship means it matters. Spirit-filled means that God took you over on the inside, 
And uh, he has a plan for you. And discipleship must be done on purpose. Discipleship must be done on purpose. It's not supposed, discipleship is not supposed to be just you as an individual trying to learn some things from God. Discipleship is allowing God in you to move you through this life, not alone, but together with other disciples. Discipleship is supposed to be done with other people. And that's why we always say you cannot be a healthy disciple without being around other disciples. Other three-dimensional disciples. Three-dimensional other disciples that are not a hologram. One day we're going to start a hologram church somewhere. We'll have church here and I'll be on a hologram And all of you will be on the hologram for other people to come and enjoy. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to reach the world. And we'll have a laying on of hands. The hologram will go like this. I'm just kidding. If it it spreads the gospel, we'll do it. But it's not there yet. Uh, Matthew 28, Jesus, the end of his ministry, about to go to heaven. He says this, came and spoke to them, saying, verse 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Or maybe it's yo. And yo, I'm with you always, (laughs) even to the end of the age. Yo, I'm with you. We understand that. So there's an element of, okay, we're teaching people to observe all things I've commanded you. And, and he's speaking of the things he's already commanded, but you got you to gotta have a little bit broader perspective. He's also teaching about everything that he's planning to command because he had a lot more things to say to the disciples that they couldn't handle until they were born again and filled with the Spirit. So all the rest of the epistles are Jesus for all of us. They, they, they count for all these words. So He's expecting that we teach everything. And in that, you start finding some stuff he didn't even talk about. You start finding things about the church and about the, the Christ in you that Jesus didn't even talk about. Jesus didn't explain Christ in you. He didn't explain new creature in Christ. He didn't explain born again. He said you need to be. He didn't explain it. You don't understand born again until you get to, to Paul and the epistles. You understand? And so our job is to go to all ethnos, all nations, all peoples, and make disciples. A disciple is one step further than believer. We said this many times. It's one thing to be a believer in Christ. How many believers do we have in the building? How many believers? How many disciples do we have in here? I would say a believer is somebody that acknowledges who Jesus is and believes that. A disciple is one who actually follows very closely. We got some close disciples in here. We got some wayward disciples in here. I'm sorry. We have all close disciples here. Other churches have wayward disciples, distant disciples. You got to know where you're at. And if you're not close enough, you need to get closer. And if you're failing in life or in spiritual matters much, it means you're not close enough. All of our spiritual failure is a result of us not being close enough to Jesus. And that goes into the basics. It's not enough to just have a picture 
of Jesus in your room or a name. It's not enough to sing a song. It's not enough to just go through motions. It's not enough to think of yourself as a Christian and go through your uh, routine prayers. Well, I'm saying my prayers. Well, that's what you teach a two-year-old to do. You don't say your prayers and then you're done. No, no, no. Prayer is, is, is meeting with God. So there's a whole other element that people have to get to rather than just I went through my, my routines. It's good to have routine, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about relationship with God and, and truly walking with him and caring deeply, starting with square one. What square one? I don't know. Go to uh, Matthew 5. Go to the Sermon on the Mount. That's Christianity 101, square one. Uh, are you a peacemaker? Are you making peace everywhere you go? Blessed are those that, blessed are the merciful. Are you merciful always? First and foremost, are you merciful? That's first step. People want to do all these other uh, visible spiritual things or think of themselves as spiritual, but are you the basics? Matter of fact, let's go take a, let's go get a reminder, Matthew 5, just to see. <clears throat> Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Uh, I just quoted those. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Verse 7, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the sons of God. Praise the Lord. Uh, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Don't, let your, uh, don't put your light under a bushel. Let it shine. You see that? <clears throat> got to be a witness. Got to make sure that your Christianity is bright enough for others to see. Uh, skip down to verse uh, 23, we had a question like a question of this just recently. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Stop there. What? Yeah, your, your giving uh, at church doesn't supersede and override all of the other heart matters that you need to attend to. Have you ever thought about this? Things need, you have to ask the question, why, why would this be important? Why do I got to go, if somebody has an offense, if somebody has a problem with you, go, go fix it. What it means is get to the table, address some things quickly, uh, make, make friends, make up. Isn't that what you tell your siblings? Tell your kids, make up with one another and do it quickly. Because I'm not going to have this on the vacation. I'm not going to have this for the rest of the evening. Y'all go make up right now. Why is it important? Because it disrupts the whole family, doesn't it? Disrupts everything, even the good stuff. Why, why do that? Because the church needs to be unified. People need to have brotherly love. We need to be together in this matter. So go make up with each other. Well, what if they, I tried and they didn't, they didn't want to talk to me? Well, that's a different story. But do with all honest motive and all honesty, go make up. And then you can come bring your offering. People think, well, I'm giving offerings. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing something for God. Not if you're not doing the go make up with your brother part. Do you know how many people that, you know, have offense and never get it worked out? And then they go try to live the rest of their Christian life. These things are important. 
You know, Jesus said, you know, he, he said, uh, he was talking to the Pharisees and he said, you say that you tithe these things, but you, you've eliminated and ignored the weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy, love. You, you can't just do the surface stuff and act like a Christian and then forget the weightier matters, which have to do with the heart. Or we could, we could open up the can called money, the Christian and his money. Are you serving mammon? Are you serving mammon or are you serving God? You can't serve both. Oh, no, I'm going to church. I'm serving God. Not if you're not giving money. Not if you're not free from the love of money. Not if you're not giving faithfully like everybody else. We're supposed to be in unity here. If you're part of a church, you ought to, you ought to be given like everybody else. And com the committed Christians are given a good, healthy portion of their income. Who are you? Why would, a, why would a Christian pull back and say, well, I don't need to? Oh, you're not being honest. You're ignoring the weightier matters. That's a huge reason is, is that everybody else is. We're putting our heart in. If you're, not putting your, if you're only putting half your heart in a place where everybody else is putting their full heart, you're cheating. Everybody was handling this message until I got to the money can. Can you imagine how disappointed it would be if the person you sit next to in church found out that you weren't given? That you were a cheater? Just don't let Emilio find out that you're not giving money. Praise the Lord. Uh, you, you can go through all these things. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you. Even the uh, other political party. When was the last time you did something good for the other side of the political party? Wait, what year is it? Well, we, don't, we don't have to talk about that yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Verse 48, therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And that doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake or sin or, or something. It means that you need to be mature. You need to get, get mature about these matters. Uh, and we can just apply it to Christian fellowship and brotherly love. You got to be mature in those things. You never get to get hurt and offended and just storm off. From, from friends or church or even work. You don't live your life like that. We make up. We, 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 we let people know some things because we care. We want to make the friendship last. You never want to burn bridges with Christians. God's going to make you live next to them in heaven if you do that. For the rest of eternity, you're going to have to see it face to face. Just because your feelings got hurt. Look, you can't, you can't live an emotional Christian life. Or let me say it a different way. Emotions are good. Okay, let me say it a different way since emotions are okay. You don't have to be a robot. You have to be careful about living out your Christianity emotionally. Or needing an emotional connection to a message. Uh, and this has been a trend that, you know... People think, oh, they're, the, the preacher's being real when they start talking about all of their soulish uh, issues and damages and problems. 
Um, you don't need that though. Amen. You don't need that to be real. I mean, I, I'm real without sharing every dark secret of my heart, right? With every damaged emotional stress that I've ever been through. You don't need to know those things. Amen. You don't need to know what I'm going through now or last year or ever. Right. Now, my testimony has lots of pieces of it, but it's from the surface. I don't need to drag you into stuff like that. So you got to be careful about thinking you need that. So you don't need to attach emotionally to, the, to a message. You need spiritual truth to just hammer into your heart. So you, you don't need to relate to a testimony. Okay? And that's actually one of the dangers about gospel ministry is people think, I need to tell my testimony so everybody can relate. No, no, no. There's going to be a small percentage that relate, and you're going to lose the rest. And that's why when you do testify, you, you make sure you pull out principle that can be applied in any case rather than try to make people follow your pathway. You can't even win a soul that way. You start telling us, some sinners, you start telling your story, and they will check out like, oh, that's not me. Oh, I didn't have that problem. I've watched it. I've been sharing with somebody and start to tell them about me. They're like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> I learned my lesson. So a good gospel ministry doesn't require some emotional testimony to go with it. Right, right. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, I, I did a message called uh, High Tide. High Tide. You need to live on high tide. Low tide, you can see all the, the rocks and all the dryness and all the problems. You need to live high tide. Listen, we all got rocks in our life. We all got issues under the water. Uh, the goal is not to stop at every one of them and go examine. You're going to have to get over and just live above some of those things. Makes sense, right? The life of a spirit-filled, faith-walking Christian is that we don't have to go backward and go identify every problem. Amen. Now, if you're dragging rocks around, yeah, we need to figure out what you're dragging. Okay, so if you haven't applied a lot of these faith principles and overcome your history, your hurts and your brokenheartedness and your other hurts and your other brokenheartedness and your disappointments and your hurts and your brokenheartedness and your defects from it, if you haven't identified that and applied Bible, new covenant principle to heal from it and overcome it and have a whole new destiny and a whole new outlook, then we need to help you identify what's, what are you dragging around? And sometimes it's demonic. Sometimes those past things are demon driven and you're going to have to evict the devil and you have to be honest about these things. What is it? Why are you keep looking back? Why are you held up? What is your... A lot of times it has to do with self-centeredness or pride or I'm protecting self or I'm, it's just the way that I've been built. Yeah, we need to rebuild you. Amen. You're supposed to get totally reborn. Born again comes when you humble 100%. You submit 100%. You yield to God 100%. He'll give you himself 100%. If you only yield 10%, you're going to experience 10% freedom. So I think that you could say the amount of his life you experience is directly related to the amount of your life you lose. He that 
loses his life for my sake will find it. He that finds his life will lose it. Got to let go of all of it. Oh, 100% consecrated to God. And then all of a sudden, you get restored and you get healed. And you don't have to walk around with chips on your shoulder. Amen. If you're getting offended all the time, you got, you got a problem. Yeah. It's not the people, it's you. That's true. If you're walking around with hurt feelings and getting offended and wondering what people are thinking of you and how they're going to accept you at work and they didn't do this at work and they got, I just can't believe that they, they did this. At, you got the problem. Amen. And that's why you're in church. That's why Chris is in church. Hey, all of us can admit that's why I'm here. And not only am I here just to get some help, I'm here because it's what Christians do. I'm here because it's what disciples do. Disciples hang out together and listen to the same fella and the same preachers and the same Christians and the same, do the same songs and the same stuff for, you know, one year and two years and 10 years and 20. We just, we just keep on doing it. Well, I've already read the Bible. Well, I've already heard the message. Oh, he's preaching that again? No, no. A disciple wouldn't feel that way. Right. That's right. I've always been a little, uh, when I get to heaven, talking to Jesus about this, because he, he, only, he only stayed in ministry three and a half years. <laughs> he only told all his stories once, and then he left. It's like, come up with some more, Jesus. We got to do this for 20 and 50 years on the earth. And it's, it's very likely that he told the same stuff everywhere he went. Right. It's very likely. You even see it a couple of times, but very likely that's how he ministered because you've got to build the same foundation in everybody. And you can't get bored with it. Now, now a, a person who is not backslidden will never get bored with it because it's the living word of God. Amen. This word is a living word. It's not, it's not like, well, I, I've heard that story. I heard that history lesson. I, I know about Daniel in the lion's den. And I already know about David, you know, he chopped the giant's head off. You know, I, I already know all that. This is not a history lesson. This is not collecting facts. Come on. <clears throat> I guarantee you, no matter how many facts you learn about the Bible, you're going to forget half of them. What you need is the living word yes. aspect yes. of pertinent yes. truth that can change you Amen. and turn you into this mature Christian. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. No, no disciples greater than his master. You got to be as your master. So if Jesus goes to church, you ought to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So and most of, mostly that's what we do. We don't try to go back and identify people's pitfalls of their history and their past. We don't have to talk about your trauma, okay? We've all got some sort of trauma somewhere. You don't have to talk about it. But between you and the Lord, you need to address it. And in a moment of trying to get free from something, uh, it, it may be necessary to tell the person that's praying with you, maybe something. And then, but, but if you do it, you better be ready. You open that door, you better kick that thing out and close that door. And that's it. We're not going to be dealing with this stuff week after week. You don't need to be dealing with demons week after week after week. But you you need to be honest and sincere. 
I mean, you really got to go after this. You got to be determined to, to cut all those ropes of whatever you're dragging. The anchor got stuck and you're dragging all your stuff around. Pull that anchor up and move on. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right, let's... What do you want to talk about? <clears throat> We're halfway through the notes, I think. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, I wanted to tell you three signs of a backslider. Number one, your communion with the Lord is gone. Number two, your commitment with the Lord is gone. I wasn't looking that way for any reason. <laughs> Number three, common spirit with God's people is gone. And so I want to uh, read some disciple scriptures to, to recognize that this whole church thing is not just you at home with God. And you know that. I mean, I know you know that, but it's special. I want you to feel how special this is. Church life is special. Not only are you part of the general assembly and firstborn that are registered in heaven. I mean, we can identify that we are Christians. We are registered in heaven. Man, I'm in the family of God. That's wonderful. But that's almost exclusively invisible. What's not invisible is local church. Local church is where you have chairs to sit in. Local church is where you see tears. Local church is where you have dirt. We got people cleaning because of the dirt. Local church is where you see dirt on people. You got to actually deal with people in the local church. Local church is where you have nursery babies. Some of you need to be volunteering in the nursery babies so you can see the dirt that they create. But I think those are the reasons why local church almost doesn't get the esteem that a convention gets. Some big con some big concert, some huge convention, some huge meeting, some big thing somewhere gets all the, the glory. And local church is kind of despised. It's that place where they do all that people stuff. Big place, just the stage is the main thing, about the only thing you have to deal with. Oh, I got blessed. I went to this thing, got so blessed. Local church is daily life, weekly life, year after year life. People I got to put up with life. That's called long suffering. You can't develop long suffering just by going to Christian concerts. <clears throat> let, me, let me do a little local church expo just in case you haven't heard it. In the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, the word church is used about 110 times or so. 80% of those times, that's about 90, about 90 times out of it, uh, when the word church is used, it's talking about the local assembly, the group of Christians that got together. About 20% is talking about the church at large, that we're all part of that church. Uh, so the instruction is all about local church, and it's highly esteemed. Some people don't value the local church uh, because they're looking for something greater. They don't see the greatness in the local church because they're looking for something greater. Once you get familiar with all the people here, once you get familiar with the pastors here, once you get familiar with everything here, it's just common. And so we're like, 
I think the Lord's leading me somewhere else. Got to go to a bigger thing somewhere else. No, you don't. You need to be in the will of God serving. That's where your treasure is laid up in heaven. That's where you, that's where you do something valuable in the kingdom rather than just partake of the kingdom. So you have to fight that. Jesus said a prophet's not without honor except in his own country among his own kindred. And so you got to fight that because these are the people you're going to see all the time. And they're just as special as every other people everywhere. You got to recognize the people that God put you with is the special people. And you got to give yourself to them. And you got to like them. You got to love them. You got to fight life through with them. And so this whole transient lifestyle is not good for the church where we, we don't have any real loyalties anywhere. We just pop up and go, pop up and go, do anything you want, anytime you want. It's not good for us, so you have to use your faith to not be that. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. For some, it's easy to feel part of the universal church while avoid all close relations in the local church. <clears throat> It's probably because the church is a mystery. The body of Christ is a mystery. That's what the scripture, the Holy Spirit called this whole thing a mystery. And that's why it's hard to grasp. And that's why there's so many Christians that, I mean, like, why wouldn't people go to church? I'll tell you why. They don't like it enough. They just don't like it enough. And the reason they don't like it enough is they don't understand it enough. And they never tasted it enough. Why don't you like filet mignon? Filet mignon? I don't know. That sounds funny. You hadn't eaten it. Isn't that right? The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some people just haven't tasted that he's good. Some people haven't tasted that the local church has any value for their life, so they don't come. It's, the, it's also the global mentality. People trying to save the world, yet they neglect their community. People wanting to pray for some Christian situation across the globe while they ignore 400 saints in their local church. People wanting to rule America when they came and rule their street. And, and that's what happens. Going universal and global and national relieves people of responsibility. It relieves people from the, the immediate grassroots people responsibility in their immediate vicinity. So be careful about getting too excited about all the stuff way out there if you can't even come to a prayer meeting. I see people that aren't in church. I know they're not in church because they used to be here. Now they're nowhere. And yet they're promoting all sorts of things. And it's like, they don't count. They don't count. You, you, you've, you, you've devalued and despised the most important part of what disciples are supposed to be doing in getting together. Thou shalt come to church. <laughs> Lampstands are a thing. Remember in the book of Revelation? And I think this is how Jesus does things. That wasn't just a one-time thing that John saw, where the Lord appeared to him in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Remember that? which are the seven churches. 
and it happened to be in the Turkey area, and the cities, he, he wrote letters specifically to each city church, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Laodicea, Thyatira, Smyrna. He wrote letters to, the, to each church, and he, and he gave them their report card. Right. And he would say things like, okay, to the church, to the local assemblies in that city, each one was different. And he would explain, uh, I see what you're doing. A lot of it's really good. Boy, I, I'm giving you some applause here. You're doing a great job on this, but I have something against you. You've not done this and you've not done that, or you shouldn't have done this. And, and I'm giving you space to repent and I want you to change. Or he said, I'm going to come remove your candlestick out of its place. Lampstands, candlesticks are, are a thing with Jesus. The local church is a thing. He wrote seven different letters to all the churches in the Turkey region. Not one letter to the whole place. So when, when a minister gets on television or on social media and says, I have a message for the whole church, repent, you know, or, or in some specific, no, 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 no. Be careful of that. Amen. Be very careful of that. If they're going to teach a principle, that's one thing. If they're going to try to give a prophecy to the whole church at large, they're off. Amen. Yes. Good yes. word. It's I'm telling you, you'll, you'll find, you follow them for a while, you'll find your, your feet are in mud and it ain't working. And if you'll go back and look at what they said, you'll find 99 out of 100 didn't work, didn't come to pass. It's not the way Jesus does it. Right. Why didn't Jesus just rebuke the whole church in Turkey? With one letter. Because he deals with each church separately. He deals with each pastor separately and each congregation separately. Because everybody has good points and bad points. And everybody should be striving to follow the Spirit of the Lord in everything. And if not, we're going to get a letter. My job is to make sure our candlestick doesn't get snuffed out. Amen. But it's not just my job. It's everybody here's job. You have to commit. We need a congregation of commitment. Right. Commit to what? To the pastor? Commit to everybody. Commit to this idea, number one, of the body that Jesus is the head of. Right. 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 Commit. Serve. Consecrate. Uh, take some delight in it. Don't ever get to the place where it's like, oh, I've got to go to church again. No, you can stay on the patio if that's how you feel. We'll turn on the music out there. I mean, we'll turn on the audio out there and you can listen out there. Don't bring that attitude in here. No, we'll let you stay for a little while, but you're supposed to get fixed. And, you know, this is a message I know not for this crowd because you're actually here on a separate meet, on an extra meeting. I get that. But this is, this is how we build unity. So now, now you're thinking the same way. Amen. Now it'll spread easier. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to please the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to get us together so that uh, uh, how sweet and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. I'm trying to take a whole bunch of uh, scattered American Christians and pull them together. Have we read any scripture yet? Yeah, we read some scripture. 
Uh, let's go to Acts 9. I'm going to run through this real quick. We'll see how fast we can do it. Just to see how finding other Christians is important. It was important in the beginning. It's important now. Being with other Christians, living a life with other Christians, doing spiritual stuff with other Christians. Matter of fact, well, let's just read it here. Acts chapter 9, verse 18. It's after Paul got converted. Immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and then Paul spent, Saul spent some days with the disciples at this Damascus. Notice that he spent some days with the disciples. When you become a Christian, first order of business, go get with some disciples. Look at Acts chapter 11. Verse 25, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Notice that. Now, now disciples are being called Christians. And this is what's interesting is that the book of Acts, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke uses the word disciples a lot. He acknowledges they were called Christians. But after the book of Acts, you never see the word disciples used. After the book of Acts, you only see an other words that denote or uh, allude to connection between people. Because you can be a disciple almost individually. I can adhere to the teachings of Jesus for a while individually. While Jesus was in the earth, there was no born again. There was no brotherhood, although Jesus used the word brothers a lot. The word after the book of Acts in the epistles is always something different. It's church, which means assembly. It's brothers, which means relation, connection. It's saints, holy called out ones, uh, or, or assembly, or ecclesia. Now... We're supposed to live our discipleship life together. It's not enough to be alone. But finding disciples is something that you see throughout the scripture. Finding other people. Finding your people. So we could say the plural of disciple is church. Uh, look at chapter 13. Verse 52, this is after they got beaten and were released. Verse 52, and the disciples were, no wait, this is not the beaten one. They persecuted them, expelled them, kicked them out, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them. Verse 51, came to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Notice it calls them disciples. Look at chapter 14, verse 20. Uh, verse 19, then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having pers persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. It doesn't really say they rose, they raised him from the dead, but I think they raised him from the dead. You get some disciples together, you can raise them from the dead. Look at Acts chapter 18. 
verse 22, when he, Paul, had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Strengthening all the disciples. You know, as, as for me as a Christian, as a disciple, I need to be strengthened. I, that's how, when I came in the kingdom, I'm like, oh, disciples go hang out so somebody can come strengthen us. And of course, we know we strengthen each other. We sharpen each other. Look at chapter 19, verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So here he found some people that were adhering to the teachings that they had heard from somebody somewhere concerning God and, and the people of God and John the Baptist. They didn't even really know about Jesus. But they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptism with the repent, uh, baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him. That's on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They didn't even know he rose from the dead. They didn't even know that that's the next step. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There's an order to this stuff so that you can get the Holy Spirit so that you can uh, become a saint, become a brethren, become a real disciple, and continue with Jesus. So you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's part of the deal. And it is a question. You, you find Christian disciples out there, you find somebody that acknowledges Jesus Christ, you can ask every single one of them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And if they say, well, yeah, I got that when I got saved. You can say, wait a second, I'm supposed to lay hands on you so that you can speak with tongues and prophesy. It's a subsequent thing. Receiving the Holy Spirit is subsequent. It's extra than just being baptized in water and getting saved. Obviously. So the question is, do they have the Holy Spirit? You're following Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Mormons come to your door? Oh, you believe in Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Spoken in tongues, have some power in your life. Every single person that acknowledges God in Jesus Christ, you can ask them that question. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.